that's what holds a lot of small business owners up. They're not willing to get in there and just do it wrong first and figure out the right way. And, and I think that's the only way to learn how to develop your sales engine is just get in there, start with something and start iterating and making it better and better and better and tweaking the sales engine almost like the business itself. It's almost like a little business inside of your business. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and I'm excited to announce that my book, Selling with Love, Earn with Integrity, Expand Your Impact, is going to be released on February 15th of this year, and I'm so excited to bring it to the masses. So if you are one of the people who wants to get a copy of this book, be sure to go to sellingwithlove.com forward slash book, and you'll be able to get on the waiting list and learn about all the exciting details, bonuses, and special offer that we will have on the day of launch to be able to get your hands on a copy of this book. You'll even have an advanced chapter made available when you sign up. So once again, go to sellingwithlove.com forward slash book, and you'll be able to be one of the first people to get a glimpse inside the new book coming out February 15th. And now, please enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody, this is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. I have a man that I've actually brought on my Instagram before to do an interview, and I was so blown away by the content that he shared, the experience that he had, and I really wanted to bring him on the show to speak more specifically on what is it like when you are a small business owner and you decide to bring on your first sales team members. What are the roles of sales that you do need to play as a small business owner when you're looking to grow, scale, and really make the impact with the business that you're creating? Now, Brian Clayton is the co-founder and CEO of GreenPal, which is basically an online marketplace that connects homeowners with local lawn care professionals. Let's make it very simple for you. Think Uber for your lawn care. If you've ever had issues with cutting the lawn, wanted to deal with companies that are going to do it, some independent contractors that come in and solve this problem of identifying who can come in at the right time, making it happen. He's seen this opportunity and was able to solve it by creating this Green Pal venture. Now this man has also created a landscaping company, grew it to over 10 million a year, and he's grown these multiple companies, doing it fantastically. And he's here to share some of the lessons learned on that journey. Brian, thank you so much for coming here. Jason, thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. I mean, it's been a couple months since I've had you on the Instagram. We had a great chat then. I was going to just maybe do a touch point to start and saying like, what has been the news happening in your world, maybe affecting your current business? I know there's a lot of changes in the world. So what's 2022 looking like for you? Yeah, it's actually looking really good. I guess we're just kind of lucky with the whole COVID thing that's helped our business. We've had two record years in a row, and now we're looking to grow another 40% this year. As we speak right now, it's the 12th of January, so we just got done like laying out all of our goals for the year. One of my favorite quotes is a Jim Rohn quote, and he says, without a goal, you can't score. And we just literally laid out like 10 things we're trying to get done this year, and one of them is to grow revenue by 40%. And so I think we can do it, but that number is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's getting harder. So, but, but I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good about 2022. 
Well, I love it because you've grown this quite substantially. I know you have about 100,000 active users now. So you've went through a few stages as a business owner from like the startup idea to like growing a bit of a team to scaling. Like this seems to be like the different phases. And I brought this concept and I wanted to talk more about this role of salesperson. Now, I wanted to go maybe even earlier before you even hired your first sales representative. And what do you think the role of sales and salesmanship, which is a quality that you had, helped you in those initial stages of the business? Yeah, I think every business goes through like three phases. You got the startup, the grow up, and then the scale up. And the startup is just trying to figure out, okay, what kind of product do I have? Will people pay for this? And people continue to pay for it? Am I solving a problem? And then the grow up is like maybe half a million to five million a year in revenue. And that's where you're starting to figure out the sales engine. You're starting to figure out the repeatable strategy on how you're going to get new customers, how you're going to keep customers. And then the scale up is doing more of that and blowing it out. I've done the first two phases now twice. I've never done the third phase because in my head, that feels like a hundred million in revenue. But in the grow up phase, in order to get through that phase and start knocking on the door of scale up, you got to figure out sales and you got to figure out, okay, what does that look like? Is it a direct sales strategy? Is it an inbound strategy? Is it a combination of the two? And for me doing this twice now, growing two businesses to, to eight figures in revenue, it's always like one of the hardest chapters. It's always one of the hardest levels of the video game. It may be if you want to say like in Super Mario World, it's like level three or four. It's like, how do I hire my first sales person? And how do I make the incentives such that they can win? They can make a good material return. And also the company can win and benefit and grow. It took me a long time to figure that out, particularly in my first business, which was a landscaping business. I realized in year two or three, we weren't in the business of landscaping. We were in the business of selling landscaping. And I had to like figure that out. And I had to just go through trial and error of how can I make the economics work as such that a salesperson can work their butt off and help the company grow. And there was like three or four years where my salespeople made more money than I did. As the founder and owner of the company, you know, at the time doing like five million a year in revenue, my sales staff was like crushing it and there was no meat on the bone left for me. So it was a lot of tweaking that I did along the way and a lot of working on the business and then work on myself to help me figure it out. And I think that's like, that's what holds a lot of small business owners up. They're not willing to get in there and just do it wrong first and figure out the right way. And, and I think that's the only way to learn how to develop your sales engine is just get in there, start with something and start iterating and making it better and better and better and tweaking the sales engine almost like the business itself. It's almost like a little business inside of your business. Interesting. And I know you spoke about how you brought on these salespeople. And I mean, it seems like it's bread and the butter in the business, right? It's bringing in the necessary oxygen for it to grow. But I'd be curious, in your case, are you saying that you immediately tried to kind of outsource the sales to the sales team? Or is it something you still held the responsibility? And do you feel like one way is better than the other? Yeah, for me, I was doing all the sales myself for a long period of time in my first company. And I thought it was this magical thing that only I could do because I knew the industry and I knew the people and I just felt like it was hard for me to delegate it. That was a mistake that I made for a while. And then another mistake that I made that holds a lot of founders up is they think that their industry is some sort of proprietary thing. And so they hire for industry experience first and then sales experience or sales acumen second. And really it should be the inverse. You should really look for 
motivated people who want to go crush it in life and then teach them your sales process and the industry. And that is only until that aha moment that I start to really build out a team. You know, after I sold that first landscaping company, we had a sales team of six people and a sales manager. And one thing I learned was that our industry wasn't that particularly complicated. Like I could teach anybody the industry. And what I learned was that you can't motivate unmotivated people. You can only attract motivated people and then don't demotivate them. And it took me probably five years to learn these like three things. And so if I can share them with folks, hopefully I can help folks save a few years and just do it right the first time. Well, I definitely would love to hear a bit more of those ideas, especially when it comes to the things that would demotivate people. I think most people are looking for the perks, but there's probably some of those perks, which are just some not to do. So could you share a bit more about that? Yeah. Demotivating motivated people, first off, is putting too much on them. If you've got a really good person, you're going to be inclined to overload them with stuff. And so for me, I have been guilty of, particularly in the first business, not only would I have this like rock star, they would just be making the phone ring with sales. But then I would put like account management on them or something like that. Or I would ask them to go and please a pissed off customer. And when the reality is, it's like, no, like, let's put them in their role. Let's keep them in their role. Let's let them excel at that. And let's not put a bunch of other BS on top of them. That demotivates a rock star quicker than anything. It's like they're already pulling their weight. And then you have them pick up somebody else's slack. The other thing is, is not creating the economic incentives for them to really crush it. Like, Pay them what they're worth. If they hit their numbers and are helping the company grow, share some of the pie with them or else they're going to go somewhere else. And that demotivates a motivated person. The other thing is, is not having a good system for them to work. Say, hey, just go do whatever you think is right and get us a million in ARR. And the reality is, is motivated people want to work a system and they want to help tune that system. They want to have feedback and they want to help make it better. And then then another demotivating thing is not listening to their feedback, being closed-minded to when they bring you good ideas and not implementing the good ones. You don't have to do everything that everybody says, but when somebody brings you a good idea, actually implement it. That motivates people. And that's some mistakes I made along the way. And then another mistake that's kind of like akin to that is the unmotivated person trying to motivate them, trying to figure out, you know, well, I already got two years in this person and I've trained them. I think I can fix them. No, once you realize somebody's not a good fit, you really got to move on and find the person that is a good fit. And so all those things, I think, you know, if you can do them right at the same times, you can build a good sales team around you one person at a time. The other thing is if you move too quick and you try to bring on five of these folks at once, it can be tough because they're hard to find and they're hard to cultivate especially if you're going to be teaching them your industry and your system. For me, you know, try to go slow and try to build a team of rock stars around you. All right. Well, I'm one of the salespeople, but I want to ask you as a business owner, are salespeople a different breed of individual that you need to manage? Are there some like special skills that we need to tame these people? You know, I think this stuff can be unnecessarily complicated. Like it doesn't have to be like a Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross environment. I mean, yeah, A lot of times they're type A and a lot of times they're competitive and they're driven by those sorts of things. But for me, like at the end of the day, it's all people. If you can just help people get where they're trying to go, a lot of these things take care of itself. You know, if you can help them grow with the company, if you can help them make material income, I think a lot of times the income thing gets overlooked 
And that's really, I mean, if we're all honest with ourselves, what motivates a lot of people. you got to set up incentives to where if they give 110 120%, they can make more money with you than they can anybody else. And they can help the company grow. And like, really, that's what at least half of this is about. And it doesn't get talked about a lot. If you really just focus on those things, a lot of these other things take care of itself. It's not as complicated and mysterious as we think it is. If you're trying to stay focused on getting work done and eating throughout the day is something you think about, have to decide, and you're not sure what to do, and you just wish an option was available where the right meal with all of the specifications you want be available to you, easy to make, under two minutes... Well, luckily for you, Factor is available where you have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie. And you can enjoy over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons to help you make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. So what are you waiting for? You can get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking up for something fast that's upscale option done very easily. It's flexible on your schedule where you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. No prep necessary. They're 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup necessary. Head to factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and use code sellingwithlove50 to get 50% off. That's code sellingwithlove50 at factormeals.com slash sellingwithlove50 and you'll get 50% off. Not bad. I found it interesting in your story that you got to this point where you had some of your top salespeople were actually making more money as you, as the entrepreneur, as the founder. And I wanted to maybe dig more about how that felt, like what was happening in your mind when you were seeing these numbers? Because for a lot of people that are going to start in these business, maybe this is a sacrifice they need to make, or was it a mistake? It's a great question. I don't think it was a mistake in as much that I was just trying to figure it out. And if you're willing to like endure that short-term sacrifice to figure something out for the long-term, then I believe that's probably always the right call. And if you're not willing to screw it up to where you've got four or five salespeople and they're all taking home multiple six figures and you, the founder, had a paycheck of $38,000 last year and you're like, what did I do wrong? I'm screwing this up. Well, it's like you have to be willing to make mistakes to learn and you have to be willing to experiment to learn. And so for me, there was a couple years of experimentation of, okay, well, you know, maybe I erred too much on the side of incentives or maybe our guardrails for pricing are out of whack. Maybe it's not the sales. Maybe it's like we're mispricing this stuff or maybe we're going after the wrong people and we're bringing the wrong clientele in and they're not good fit and it's not profitable. So maybe the problem is over here. It's not really on the sales side. So if you're not willing to like make those mistakes, then you're not experimenting enough. And if you're not experimenting, you're not learning, you're not figuring out what works. So Looking back, yeah, obviously I would have liked to have avoided it. And I certainly don't recommend that people just rush out and pay all of their staff, all of the company's money and have no money for themselves to live on personally. I don't recommend you intentionally do that. But if you do find yourself in that position, don't think that you're a failure and that you don't know how to run a business. Look at it like, okay, this is an experimentation period. It might take me a year or two to figure this out. But imagine if I could get 10 of these folks in the pocket and it's working then imagine what this could be. And that's kind of how I looked at it. And then, you know, five years later, I had a company that was doing eight figures in revenue. It was one of the biggest in the region. 
And it was kind of that short-term pain that we endured to figure out the incentives to where everybody was happy, the sales staff was happy, the company was doing well, our clients were happy, and figuring out how to get all of those things in balance, it was just kind of like almost a ticket price, I guess you could say. Yeah, that makes sense. It sounds like you'd still had like a lot of, I don't know, is it inspiration? Is it vision to try out these models? Like you had the inclination knowing, hey, you were overworked, you went to hire your first salesperson. Were there any resources you relied on or mentors that you had? Like, how did you find the guidance to take you through these steps? The only kind of, I guess, proof point that I had back in those days was that I would go to these industry conferences and I would see companies in my same industry that were doing 40, 50, 60 million dollars a year running, you know, a landscaping company. You wouldn't think a landscaping company could do 60 million dollars a year in revenue, but these guys were. I would try to learn from them and I would try to just like very humbly, like hat in hand, like, hey, can I just model you for a weekend or a week? And I would really appreciate it. Maybe I can help out with some stuff. And I would literally take a week off and observe their operations, observe their staff meetings. And they were in a different market than I was. So it's like we weren't competing. And I did that three times in five years. That really helped open my eyes to what was possible and really helped me kind of figure out, okay, yeah, look at these folks. They got these sales meetings and I don't have sales meetings. Maybe I need to like build this kind of engine in my business. It opened my eyes what was possible. Now, the tactics of it was something that I had to really kind of figure out. And I think it's really hard to just kind of bolt in a process into a business because every business is different, but you can learn from different folks' processes and develop your own. A book I like is called Predictable Revenue, and that's really all that book is about, is about developing these sales processes and how you work through what that looks like. And so everybody, every small business owner, doesn't matter if you're doing you know, 300 k a year in revenue and you want to do $3 million, read that book, Predictable Revenue, and it'll help you kind of expose you to the ideas of what a repeatable sales process might look like. Lovely. And I know you kind of had a bit of your own salesmanship that you brought into it, as we talked earlier, when you hired your first person. Did you have to take on that role of a sales manager when you hired the first salesperson? And is it, if someone doesn't really associate with sales, they don't like selling, can they still get away with hiring a salesperson, even if they can't offer any kind of mentorship or leadership to them? It's a really good question. I think in business, you're going to have to be 80-20 good at a lot of different things. So in business, you're doing three things at once. You're working in the business. You're just trying to make the trains run on time. You're making sure the store opens. You're making sure customers are happy. You're working on the business. What's my marketing strategy? What's my customer retention strategy? What's the sales process look like? I got to develop the sales process now. What's the value proposition and how are we making that stronger? So I'm working on the business and then you're working on yourself. So I'm going to leadership conferences. I'm taking sales training. I am reading predictable revenue. I am listening to podcasts like this one. I am absorbing everything I can for what I need at this stage of the game. And like that working on yourself piece is kind of like blocking tackling. You may have to take a course on accounting at some point. You may have to take a course on copywriting because I think every good business owner should be a good copywriter. You're hiring your first salesperson, so you're literally reading every book and taking every online course you can around developing a sales process. And you're spending six months doing that. So I think that the idea of, oh, I don't like sales. I'm not good at it. You handle it, I think, is a recipe for disaster. It's like, here's Rockstar salesperson. Here's me. I'm going to get a little closer to that. I'm going to get maybe halfway there and I'm going to spend six months doing it. 
then I'm going to do the sales myself for a while, and then I'm going to cultivate my first salesperson and kind of be their mentor, I think is a much better way to delegate it. I think you got to be like pretty good at a lot of different things to take a company from zero to your first million in revenue. I love it. Now, I know you've done the startup, you've done the grow up, and now you're really doing some scale up, which is the first time I believe in the current round that you raised funds, you're scaling up a green pal in a big way. Are there learnings or things that you didn't even expect would come up while you're at this stage of business, particularly in the field of sales that you find are really important for people to know? Yeah, it's business is really much like Super Mario Brothers. 10 levels, every level is a new boss, every level is a new dragon, every level is a new final boss. And it's like the things that got you there won't get you through the next level. And for me, I'm really kind of knocking on the door of the grow up scale up. You know, we're doing over 20 million a year in revenue. We have a five year plan to get to 100 million in revenue. And so the problems you face at this stage of the game, problems I faced in year one through five was very much like, Okay, how do we figure out something that gets and keeps customers? And how do we figure out how to de build a team of developers and engineers and content creators and salespeople? And now the question is, how do we leverage all of that to now get to nine figures? What does that look like? How do we really study the data? Like a lot of the problems we face at this stage of the game are data-driven problems. It's like, okay, we have 300,000 people using the product now. What can we learn from their use to tweak the product and make it better to get to a million users? And what is the data saying? And that's pretty complex. Uh, it's a pretty complex problem. It's, it's one that I've never come across. Whereas like, you know, in level one, it was, hey, these 20 people are telling us this thing about the product sucks. We need to fix it. Now it's, hey, we notice when these things happen and X, Y, and Z occurs that we lose a customer. How do we prevent X, Y, Z from happening? And what are the product changes we need to make to do that? And so the problems are more complex, but it's like you have a bigger fulcrum. And so the results are bigger. And so it's different and I'm still pretty good at it. And I think I'll continue to do it as long as I'm having fun and I'm good at it. Once I start to suck and I'm not having fun, I'll either sell the company or put somebody else in my spot. Brian, I love the energy you bring on this and you bring us a wealth of information. It's so cool to see that journey and the things that you've shared so far. Given that this is the Selling with Love podcast, I do have to ask that signature question, which is what does selling with love mean to you? Selling with love means to me, customers don't want to be marketed to. They want to be communicated with. So selling with love is really putting yourself in their shoes. What are their problems and solving those problems? There's a gap that forms between every business. There's founder logic and there's customer logic, company logic and customer logic. And you have to close that gap. And so selling with love really means that you care about their problems and you're building a solution. You're delivering a solution to those problems. And it's so hard to do because it's empathy and you have to put yourself in their shoes. You have to start from there and then work backwards. Because at the end of the day, if you can solve somebody's problem, they're willing to pay for it and it's a win-win. Brian, I will agree 100% with that. I love your perspective. I love your story. I love that you have this energy, this fun, and this know-how to make something great created. For anybody who's curious, go check a look. Green Pal, we'll put a link in the show notes. Is there any other place you would recommend people to go and discover more about what you do, what you teach? Yeah, just download Green Pal in the App Store or Play Store, or you can hit me up if you want to reach me. I'm usually... In terms of social, I'm on Instagram, Brian M. Clayton, 
drop me a DM or and a follow there and I'll hit you back. There you have it, everybody. So we've discussed a bit about what does it look like when you're on this growth journey as a company from the startup, grow up, and the scale up. We talked about what does it look like when you start hiring salespeople? What are the typical challenges, particularly when it comes to compensation? What I love from Brian here is just sharing that there's a lot of trial and error, but there's some mastery that you need to develop yourself. I love that he talked about the three pillars of working in, on the business and on yourself. And I think for any skills that you need to develop, you'll need to put a bit of attention. Sales is one of them, probably one of the most important ones to keep thriving and surviving in business. As you go through these growth stages, the challenges are always gonna be there. They're gonna be different. You're gonna grow with them and you're gonna have fun doing it, hopefully, if you're in the right business. So Brian, again, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all this knowledge. And for everybody here, keep selling with love. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Selling with Love podcast. I mentioned at the beginning the release of the book, Selling with Love, is coming on February 15th. If you haven't went to sellingwithlove.com forward slash book to get yourself on the waiting list yet, take the time to do so now. I'll have a sample chapter available, some exciting bonuses, and you'll be one of the first to put your hands on a copy of my book that is coming out so soon. Thank you so much for being a supporter. Thank you for listening to the show. And until next time. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast.